why don't we uh, have anyone who is uh, going on a mission trip, whether that be Albania, and I know some of you are going on other mission trips, if you're going on a mission trip, would you please come up to the front? If you know of someone, uh, especially from this church, but not necessarily, that you is not here today, that is or is, on, is going or is on a mission trip now, you can come and stand in for them. We want to pray for them. So if you would come forward. I know there's going to be some Albania team folks, but there's other people as well that are going different places. Would you please come forward? Now, here's what we want to do. Because, you know, the safest place to be is in the will of God, no matter where you are. Amen? And, the, and a dangerous place to be, just circle up right here in front. Circle up. Or, or come in here close. Okay? And the safest place to be is Afghanistan, if you're in the will of God. Amen? So, and here's what we want to do. We want people who have a passion and a heart for missions and for these individuals. And that doesn't mean that if you stay in your seats, you don't have. But you know what I'm saying. You're, they're going to be on your mind. They're going to be on your heart. And you're going to be thinking about them. I want you to come up and I want you to lay hands on them and begin, begin to pray for them. Okay? Anybody else? Anybody else needs to come up? And we want, we want these folks to know. We want our God to know that we love these people, that they need the hand of God on their life and the covering of God, and that we're going to be praying with them and for them, and they're going to be in our hearts and minds, and we want them covered, covered. Amen? How many of you know that you have a protective covering? How many of you like to have a protective covering over you? We want these folks to know that. You can stand in front. You can stand behind. You can pray in the Spirit, whatever you want to do. I'm going to pray, but you all begin to pray too. Amen? Glory to God. Father, we love you. We thank you that you hear our prayers. Your word says you're attentive to our prayers, meaning you listen closely. You know, Father, this is not just some ritual that we're performing today. We are praying to Almighty God. And we pray, Father, that the hand of Almighty God would be over each and every one of these people, even those who may not be actually be here this morning, Father. We pray your protective hand, Father. We thank you that the angels of God are camped around those who fear you, Father. We thank you that... that uh, uh, Wherever they go, Father, you're going to go before them. We thank you, Father, that uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the hand of the Almighty. For you are our God and you are our refuge and you will deliver us from the snare of the fowler. And we thank you, Father, that you go before them. Father, not only that you protect them, but you, begin, you, you continue to work in the hearts of those who don't even know that they're going to meet up with these individuals and they're going to share the truth of the living God with them. And they're about to be set free. And Father, we thank you for boldness. We know that your word says that righteous, the righteous are bold as a lion. And we thank you for boldness and we thank you for confidence. And we thank you for clarity of thought and clarity of mind and the anointing of the living God. From the moment they leave, whether it be this Saturday or some other time, to the moment they arrive and even continue from then on, Father. Thank, thank you for the anointing of God on their lives. We thank you for those, Father, who are going to be saved, for those who are going to be set free. Father, we know it begins not when they arrive, but even on the airplane. May somebody on the airplane be set free on the way there and may be set free on the way back, Father. Glory to God. Wherever you are, Truth as a light is. 
And you are in these individuals. And we thank you and we praise you and give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, did you get your praise in this morning? <clears throat> How many of you got your praise in this morning? Come on, anybody get their praise in this morning? You know, the Bible says the rocks would cry out if we didn't praise Him. And I, I, I hope you got your praise in this morning. Because, you know, God sees us as a church, but He also knows that it's the individual that makes up the church. And so he looks for, uh, for our praise. There's a song that says, You don't need majestic choirs with awesome voices raised. You don't need a congregation to offer me your praise, the Lord says. You don't need a mighty orchestra to bless me with your song. You get all of my attention when you worship me alone. When you worship me alone. Worship God with your own heart, with your own mind, and then the, the unison of the whole body comes together. But it's the attention of the one heart that gets the attention of God. Don't ever let anybody do your praise for you. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We ought to just sing that. You want to just sing that song? Let's just sing that song before we get started today. It goes, you don't need majestic choirs with awesome voices raised. It goes like this. You don't need majestic choirs with awesome voices raised. Sing that with me. You ready? You don't need majestic choirs with awesome voices raised. You don't need a congregation to offer me your praise. Sing it with me. You don't need a congregation to offer me your praise. You don't need a mighty orchestra to bless me with your song. Sing that with me. You don't need you don't need a mighty orchestra to bless me with your song. You get all of my attention when you worship me alone. Say that with me. You get all of my attention when you worship me alone. There's the one part that says, I love it when I hear you sing your song. Think about the Lord. Think about the Lord saying that to you. I love it when I hear you sing your song and you worship me alone. Boy, God wants you to worship Him. And then for us to come together and worship. He is worthy, isn't He? He is worthy of our praise, isn't He? Glory to God. We worship you, Father. Praise you, praise you, praise you. You know, The truth is always good, isn't it? It's always good. It sets us free. How many of you have been set free by the truth of the Word of God? But it doesn't always feel good, does it? Remember that what's the movie, A Few Good Men? I, I don't It's been years since I've seen it. I probably shouldn't recommend it. But there's a line in there that's pretty famous that says, You can't handle the truth. Isn't that right? Jack Nichols, can you see him saying it right now? You can't handle the truth. But the truth sets us free. Anybody in here? Can everybody in here handle the truth? I mean, it's what sets us free, isn't it? It's what sets us free. It doesn't always feel good, but boy, does it set us free. Glory to God. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8. 
kind of ringing in my neck. I need to project a little bit because I know I have a quiet, timid voice. So I'll talk a little bit louder and get that ringing out of there. Uh, Jeremiah 2, chapter 8. Uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 8. Uh, let, let's go back to verse 4, though. I think we did this earlier and it, it worked pretty good. The title of the sermon is Preaching to the Choir. How many of you have heard that, that, what's that called, slogan, if you will, Preaching to the Choir? And um, I know as pastors and, and teachers, preachers, whatever, sometimes you feel like you're just preaching to the choir. You know, it'd be like preaching on church attendance. Well, y'all are here, right? You know, I just feel like you're preaching to the choir. And I especially had, uh, or, or in my mind, had difficulty with that preaching to the choir because I felt like I feel like I'm not so evangelistic. I don't feel like I'm so called to the lost. Now we're all called to the lost. Don't get me wrong, but I don't feel necessarily a, that calling. I feel like my calling, to some degree, whatever that means, is to the church. And so I'm thinking, well, God, you called me to the church, and I'm just preaching to the choir. But you know what I found out? Half the choir's lost. Well, let me just back off. Many of the choir is lost. You say, how do you know that? Well, it's all through the Scriptures. It's all through the Scriptures. And I will give you this quote for whatever this quote means because it's not Scripture, but I want to give you a couple of quotes. Dr. D. James Kennedy said this. He said, the vast majority of people today who are members of churches today are not Christians. Did you hear what I said? Or what he said? The vast majority. The vast majority? And I say that without the slightest fear of contradiction, he said. I base it on empirical evidence on 24 years of examining people. 24 years this had, men had been in the ministry at the time. He said the vast majority of Christians and churches or people who call themselves Christians are not saved. One poll said that 62% of Americans profess to have a relationship with Jesus that was meaningful to them. 62% of people said they had a relationship with God. You read it again professed to have a relationship with Jesus that was meaningful to them. 91% of Americans lie regularly. Have you, have you ever seen the bubbles where you've got a bubble here and you've got a bubble here and then they cross? I think maybe there might some be some of that going on. I think the bubbles may cross. And we could go on and on. And you think, oh no, here it comes again. Look all the way back to Jeremiah. Chapter 2, verse 4 says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What unrighteousness, what unrighteousness did your fathers find in me that they went far from down and far from me and habitually went after emptiness? falseness and futility, and themselves became fruitless and worthless. Nor did they say, where is the Lord? 
who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and, and, and of the shadow of death and deep darkness, though a land, through a land rather, that no man passes through and where no man dwells, but he led me through it, the word says. And I brought you into plentiful, a plentiful land. Can anybody think of a plentiful land? I think we call it home. To enjoy its fruits and good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage abomination, an abomination, detestable and loathsome. Even the priest, now here's the verse that I want to emphasize. It says, even the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law given by God and Moses knew me not. The preachers don't know the word, don't live by the word. The rulers and secular shepherds also transgress against me, and the prophets prophesied by the authority and in the name of Baal and followed after things that do not profit. Now last week, we talked about a slippery slope of deception. A slippery slope of deception. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. This word really, really stood out to me, this particular word that I'm going to share with you. Matthew chapter 7. Let's, let's start in verse 16. We may skip around a little bit. Or 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you dressed as sheep, but inside they are devouring wolves. You all have heard that before, haven't you? Kind of, a, kind of a famous, if you will, scripture. You will fully recognize them by their fruits. Everybody say to me, by their fruits. How do you know? How do you know if someone is a sheep or is a wolf in sheep's clothing? How do you know? By their fruits. You'll know them by their fruits. Not by what they say. Not by where they go, how they, how they appear to live necessarily. Not by, you can, you, you can observe many, many, many things about them. Even what they say. But how will you know, how will I know they are men and women of God? By their fruit. By their fruit. Even so. Seventeen. Even so, every healthy, sound tree bears good fruit. Did you hear that? Every good and healthy tree bears good and healthy fruit. How many? Every one. But the sickly, decaying tree bears worthless fruit. A good, healthy tree cannot bear bad, worthless fruit. Nor can a bad, diseased tree bear excellent fruit worthy of admiration. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, you will fully know them by their fruits. Now listen to this. This just blew me away. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? Who enters the kingdom of heaven? It's he who does the will of the Father. Who is in heaven. 
Now, look at this next word, verse 22. How many of you are with me? Verse 22. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. What's the word, what's the word say? Huh? Many. Many. Now, that's... What's that mean? Many. What's that mean? There's, oh, I don't know, 300 people here. Let's say 300 people here today. I don't know. How many would many be? How many would many be? Out of 300. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because in a way, in a way, 10 could be many. In a way, certainly two, 250 could be many of 300. We just don't know. But he's not talking to a congregation here. He's talking to the worldwide church. Now, how many would be many? I don't know. But it'd be many. Smart, aren't I? It took me weeks to come up with that. How many? A whole bunch. A whole bunch. In fact, I looked up the word many, come to think of it. What did it say? It's in here somewhere. It doesn't really, it's not, it's not just unbelievable what, I, what, I, what it said. But one of them was numerous. Now think about this. Who are we talking to in Jeremiah? The church. Who are we talking to now? The church. It says many will say to me. Now let me ask you this. What other kind of person is saying Lord, Lord and prophesying and casting out demons in His name? Who else is doing that? The secular world? No. Who's doing that? The church. And he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them openly and publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. What is the key to knowing and to understanding if someone is truly saved? Because we're going to talk about this some more too. The deception that is in the world today, the Bible talks about it. Look up the word deceive, deception, deceiver. Look up those words. Study all the scriptures that it's talking about. It says the, in the end there will be deception will be rampant. In, in, in fact, and I think this particular verse is talking about post-trib, or, or, or yeah, post-rapture uh, even, but it doesn't make any difference. The point's still the same. It says even the elect would be deceived if the days weren't shortened. Deception will be rampant. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how, how uh, you can start. How many of you were here last week? Okay, a lot of you. We talked about that slippery slope of how, of how you can reason and use the logic to someone can reason you right into a place to where you just agree with things that are obviously in the Bible. And, we, and really the purpose of this, that I, this uh, 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 Facebook uh, diagram that I showed you last week, their intention was to get you and I and whoever else to receive gay marriage. And some of you, you cringe a little bit when we talk about gay marriage. Even in the church. 
You cringe a little bit. You say, well, because you've listened to a lot of stuff. And some of you, the real concern was that some of you have listened to this since you've been born. You've listened to this logic since you've been born. And it's freely received from you. Because you aren't like me and, and, and some of the old guys in here. You know, back in 1963, when I was born, there things still, you know, you could still shake someone's hand and you were intended to, to, to your word to be good. Not everything was right in the eyes of man in 1963. And I lived a, a little bit in that culture for quite some time. But some of you have always lived in a culture where anything goes, baby. And so, because you've lived that way, it's not a far stretch from you to receive gay marriage and other things in the Bible. Or, or, or other things against the Bible. It's not a far stretch from you, because your mind's been that way. And, and, and I fear for you. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Deception. I mean, it, 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 he's a master deceiver. He's a master deceiver. And, and, and deceiver. And listen, you can, you and I can be, you and I can be deceived if we don't watch very closely. Don't think for us, don't let that old pride well up in you and say, you got to be kidding me, man. I know what's going on. I'm not going to be deceived. Absolutely. If you don't know the Word by the Spirit of the living God and you aren't running after Him and chasing after Him, I'm not talking about being accepted by Him. He loved you and I while we were still sinners. We're not talking about earning any salvation. We're not talking about legalism. God wanted us to go down a straight road. And in that road to your right is a, is a, 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 a warped, wrong message of grace. It's not even grace. They're calling it grace. And, the, and down on that ditch is self-indulgence. And in that ditch, uh, in that ditch is anything goes. Why? Because I'm covered by the blood. And then we oversteer out of that and we steer back over into the other ditch instead of staying on the high road. And then we get into legalism and self-righteousness. Oh, God loves me because I know the Word so well and I live it so well and I'm such a good person. And almost to the point where you feel like you don't need grace. Ooh, we don't want to go there, do we? But we don't want to go in the other ditch. How many of you drive in the ditch every chance you get? No! We want to stay out of the ditch and on the high road. But if we're not careful... We'll drive like, I was going to make a funny, but I won't. And we'll just be in this ditch and oversteer and we'll be in this ditch and we'll wonder why the road of life is rough. Because we're just going in the ditches. The reason that we're talking about gay marriage to some degree. We talked about it last week a little bit, and we're talking about it a little bit more today. The reason this is so important is because, folks, once you and I kick the door open to gay marriage, now, we are not talking about loving homosexuals. I shared with you last week, I have a very dear friend. I knew him for how long? I don't know how long before I even knew he, he struggled with this. And he still struggles today. And I've known him for 30 years. And if he walked in that door, I talked to him on the phone not too long ago. And I love him. Man, I love him. He's a good buddy of mine. We're not talking about that. 
what we're talking about. How do you know? How do we know we're a Christian? We do the will of, the God, of God as best we can with the help of the Holy Spirit and still messing up and grace covers us. But the difference is, the difference is this. When I know something is sin and I'm going to justify that it isn't. Because John 1.9 says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Now, here's what confession is, and here's why we need a greater understanding and a, a greater, more accurate definition of so many words that are in the church. And one of them is confession. Because we think confession is just to say it. Oh, I said, yeah, I know I did that, and that was wrong. But I, he's faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness. No, confession means to agree with God that what I did is wrong. What I did is wrong. And it's a slap in the face of God. And it's not what God intends for me. And I have the grace of God. Now, here's, what, here's the greatest definition of grace to me. And it's, and it's a broad word. It's like defining love in one sentence. It's a broad word. You really don't do that in our culture. But listen, really what grace is, is the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we received because of grace. We received the Holy Spirit. What's his first name? Huh? His first name is Holy. And so if we think that we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then live however we want because grace covers us, you and I got another thing coming. That is not the design of grace. In fact, let me compare law to grace. Old Testament to New Testament. How many of you think that in the New Testament we're freer and more able to do things that we, we, we ought not do in the Old Testament? Don't answer me. Whatever your answer was to that question, let me give you some scripture. The Bible says in the Old Testament that if you commit adultery, that's sin. But the New Testament, Jesus came in the New Testament and He said, if you lust after someone in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart already. Which standard is higher? Which standard is higher? The Old Testament or the New Testament? Under the law or under grace? Which standard is higher? It's the one under grace. Why? Because under grace, we have what Jim said we have. We have a new sensitive heart. Read that again if you would, brother. Nice and loud. Uh, uh, Ezekiel 11, chapter, nine, or, uh, chapter 11, verse 19 and 20. Now listen to the heart that he has for us. And I will give them one heart, a new heart. A new heart. And I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take a stony, unnaturally hardened heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh, sensitive. Listen, did you hear that word? What does he do? He gives you and I a heart that's sensitive. Go ahead, to what? Sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. You know why the church is deceived? The church is deceived because we have an un- inaccurate, rather, definition of grace. And we think we can profane the very blood of Jesus Christ 
and we can do maybe not whatever we want, however we want, but what we want. There's a few things. I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to thank God that the blood covers me, and that is profaning the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't do and live however we want. Now listen, when we kick the door, and I'm going to show you some stuff that's going to bring this home in a few minutes. When we kick open the door, because it's already opened. It's opened. But when we kick the door open to sin, to where we can do whatever we want to do, and I, I tell you what, when you can decide whether you're a woman or a man throughout your life, yeah, that's in the, that's a, I saw that in Facebook the other day. It's all over. You just got to read it. You've read it. You've read it. When you can decide your gender throughout your life, and if I decide if I want to pull a Bruce Jenner and decide when I'm 65 that I think I ought to be a woman, I can just do that. I heard a story about a woman who, who joined a fitness club. Been a member I don't know how long, and some guy starts coming in, the, coming in her locker, the women's locker room, and undressing. While they're undressing and changing their clothes into their workout uniform or whatever. Workout. And a woman said, I know none of you women would care, but you know, you think you might care if a guy comes in and starts dressing out in your locker room, ladies? The guy comes in and starts dressing. You know why? I just feel like I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. I wish that would have been around when I was 15. Man, I'd have been in every girl's locker room I could have got in. That ain't even fair. So you just feel like you're going to be a man that day or a woman that day. You just decide what you're going to do. Now, here's the killer. Here's the killer. The woman went and complained. Guess what happened? They kicked her out. He's still in the locker room as far as I know. But they kicked her out. How many of you know stuff like that is going on? This isn't... You, you, none of you are sitting there going, I don't know if that's true or not. You've read many stories like this. You've seen the Kardashians or enough to know who Bruce Jenner is. Big, handsome dude back in the 70s or 80s. Man had a beautiful wife, beautiful children, and, and through the... Here's how it happened. Turn with me. To, I can just guarantee it. I don't know the guy. I can just guarantee you. Here's how it happens because I know how it works. You do too. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10 or 5 chapter 10. Blah, blah, blah. 10 chapter 5. No, that, don't work. that ain't right either. How do you say that? Chapter 5. No. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. Thank you. Thank you for your support, Abby. <laughs> for though we walk, 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. We're not going around with swords fighting demons. You ever see anybody doing that? No, because that's not where it's at. We're not fighting demons with a sword you've got. For the weapons of our warfare are not even physical. But they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. But how many of you are fighting strongholds? And here's how these strongholds begin to get in your mind and in my mind. It says, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories 
and reasonings. And I, I've been listening. I, I, I hadn't done it in a while, but I went back the other day and I listened to, because I've been listening to um, uh, Ray Comfort. And I saw on YouTube that Ray Comfort, Comfort had had a debate with an, uh, an atheist. And I got on and listened to this atheist. And he was the most intelligent idiot I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they come up with words that nobody knows what they mean, and they're leading you right down, leading me, trying to, right down a path of deceit. And, and you just hit them with a real simple question, like, like, do you believe in, you've heard this before, do you believe in builders? How many of you believe in builders? You say, what? How many of you believe, how many of you didn't see this church go up? You didn't see this church go up. Do you believe there's a builder? Do you believe in builders? Do you believe that somebody built this church? Well, of course you do. Why? That's why. The, last, the, the Joplin tornado didn't throw together this church. Just, wow. But an atheist is going to get you to believe that's exactly what happened. Why do you believe in, why do we believe in a God? Just look around. Just look around. And Romans chapter 1 tells us that. Read Romans chapter 1. We're not going to go there right now, I don't think, but, but read. Yeah, we are. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Oh, hold on. Stay where you're at just, just real quick. So we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every... Now listen to this. This is important. Every proud... If you've ever listened to an atheist, you have seen one proud moron. Absolutely you have. That thing, it sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead, what do we do as Christians? We lead every one of those thoughts captive before they have time to lay themselves and lay themselves and lay themselves. And the next thing you know, those thoughts don't seem wrong anymore. And what has happened, they've established a stronghold in your mind to where now anything goes. Once you kick open the door, folks, once we kick open the door and we say sin is not sin, and we call, and we say that you can just decide whatever your gender is because that's coming too. That's already here. It's not coming. It's already here. Once we kick the door of gay marriage open, and I know some of you don't like that. You know why you don't like it? Because your mind has been, has not, you didn't lead those first cap thoughts that you had captive. You didn't lead them, for, you didn't lead them captive. And now you've got a whole bunch of them that you're dealing with. And some of you have been around, and I, I can, I'm concerned with this group right here. Because some of you have only been around why this was talked about. So it's always been right there in your mind, the possibility that it could be right. And so now, uh, some of you, you don't have to have your mind changed from right to wrong. You've got to have your mind changed from wrong to right. I know some of you, I know some of your answers are, well, I don't, it ain't for me, man. It ain't for me. But, you know, love is love. Love is love. God made Adam and Eve, and he could have said Adam and Steve. He just didn't. That's, that is warped. Warped, and it's wrong. And if we don't stand up for it and make our voice heard in a loving, passionate, loving way, not in a, not in a self-righteous way, you ought to hug the neck off of every homosexual person that you know. But don't agree with them. Love them and give them the truth and set them free. Just like you've been set free and I've been set free and I still probably have areas of my life where truth can come in and set me free.
going to read verse 5 again. Then we're going to go to Romans chapter 1. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing. That's exactly the description of these people that try to say that sin is not sin against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose, every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. And that is doing the will of his word. His will is his word. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 1. By the way, I want you to know something. This is going to help you. It's going to help you. Romans chapter 1, 18 and 19 says this. Because when you talk to people who are dead set against some of the things that you might share with them, you know this. You know this. It's true of them and it's true of you. Romans 1, 18 and 19. God put this in each and every one of us. He says, For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. That's exactly what's going on. For that which is known about God... Now listen to this. This is true of every individual ever created. God did it. He's so smart. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their and made plain in their inner consciousness. Because God Himself has shown it to them. Every single one of us has a conscience. And in our conscience, in order to get things wrong, we have to go against what God has put in us. Did you know that? You, don't have, you, have, you teach kids right from wrong, but really, in their heart, in their conscience, they know a lot of that. They know, come on, you didn't have to be taught not to steal, not to commit murder, not to, the Ten Commandments. Really, down deep in your side, down deep in inside of you, when you heard those things, they bore witness of what was already in you. Why? Because God put it in there. And someone, and this is the reason God said, God can say to us that first verse that I read, for his holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The reason he can say that justly, and the reason he can say that in truth and in righteousness is because he knows what he put in you from the beginning. And you have to go against that. And what happens if you go against a voice, the voice enough, what happens? We, we think the voice stops talking, but it doesn't. The voice doesn't stop talking. We just can't hear it because our conscience is seared. When I was in the fifth grade, I used to, I don't know why I did this, but I, I think because I was such a horrible writer, and I still am. Oh, man, I can't write. I'm just, I'm embarrassed by it. I can't write. It's like, I got to work to get a letter right where you can tell what it is. And when I was a little kid doing that, I, I poked so hard. You can see it now, and I haven't done this for years, but you can see it right now. I got a little knot right there on my, you see that little knot? It used to be more, you know, it used to be bigger than that because I would push my pencil against that knot and it made a callus and I could literally take a pen and poke into that callus and I couldn't feel it. And that's what happens. That's what happens when we push against what's in us naturally enough. God's voice, that pencil's still pushing, but it can't be felt. Why? Because I've built a castle, a, 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 ca a cat, what? A callus. Because I built a, I built a cat callous against the voice of God. Now, okay, where are we? Folks, this is important because we kick the door open and you know what follows? You know what follows, dear marriage? Anything. 
anything goes. Anything goes. I, I can just do whatever I want. And I, I, won't even, I won't even disgustingly explain what follows because you know what follows. Because see, then what happens is whatever's right is just whatever I feel is right. And whatever's wrong is just whatever I feel is wrong. And you know what happens to societies that feel this way? They go down. We already know that. We don't have to wonder what happens. We, all we got to do is look at the history books and see what happens. How important is morality in our lives? How important, how important is being a moral, godly person in our lives? God ordained it that way. And it's so very important that, that countries will fall when morality leaves. I want to show you that, God, that, the, that the enemy has had a plan against the work of God for you, forever. I said earlier, and I said earlier for years because it's in our time frame, but forever, forever God, uh, 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 God has had an adversary and his name is, is, is Satan. And forever he, Satan has tried to establish a kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness rules through that fleshy, fleshy avenue he channels himself to us through the fleshy avenue, uh, 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 and, and that's where it allows him to get a hold of us. It's through that avenue of flesh, the fleshy avenue that says, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm going to show you a five-minute video or so, four or five-minute video. And in this, they talk about communism and the particular guy that talks about the Republican. Okay, I'm not here to make a political statement. This started, and it was pointed out earlier, and I appreciate it, this started way before communism even existed. This is the devil. This isn't about communism. It just rears its head differently. In fact, it's not, there, there is, if you want to really say it this way, there is no communism anymore. What do they call it now? What, what do they call the desire of the flesh to rule us as a nation? What are they calling that now? Progressive. They've coined, it, they've coined the same demonic thing. They've just coined it differently. Now, it's progressive. Oh, man. If you're not progressive, there's something wrong with you. Are you in the Stone Age or what? i tell you what progressive is. Progressive ultimately is do whatever you do, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, as many times as you want to do it, and everything's okay. And the church, how many? Many have bought into it, and some of you are sitting right here today. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, we're going to fight lies with the truth. But in order for you and I to fight lies with the truth, we've got to have the truth in us. And we've got to overcome all the doubts that are going in in our own minds. Before we can vehemently and passionately and knowledge and intelligently fight the enemy. Stand up for what's right. No more, no more passivity. No more, no more in your religious hammock swaying back and forth drinking your blessed drink. No more pretending right is wrong and wrong is right. No more excusing sin in our life. Revelation 21.8 says this, But as for the cowards and the ignoble and the contemptible and the cravenly lacking in courage, 
and the cowardly submissive. And as for the unbelieving and faithless, and as for the depraved and defiled with with abominations, and as for murderers and the lewd and adulterous and the practicers of magic arts and the idolaters, those who give supreme devotion to anything other than God, and all liars, all of these shall have their part in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Listen, folks. The best thing we can hear is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And the worst thing we can hear is, depart from me, church folk. I never knew you. Pretending that wrong is right. And here's the deal. You say, well, I don't practice homosexuality. Do you cheat on your taxes? See, we excuse stuff that's wrong. Thinking somehow God's not big enough to make up for a government who spends things wrong. And they do. That's no reason to cheat. And we could go on and on. What do we do? Here's what we got to do. I read this story about a bulldog. I love this story. And this little bulldog was still a pup. And he was, he wanted to go across the street and bore under the fence of somebody else's property, which is exactly what's happened to us. Someone's trying to get in our property, but we need to take back what's ours. And he boards up, he gets under that fence. There's a little uh, uh, niche in the, in the chain link fence, and he, he crawls under that, that fence. And there's two big old full-grown male Irish setters. And he runs into those Irish setters, and those Irish setters, their tails go up, their ears go up, and both of them at the same time attack that bulldog, and I mean like to kill him. I mean, he's got part of his ear gone, he's bleeding, and he's limping back trying to find that hole in that fence he crawled under and go back to the house. And that's what he does. And he heals up and eats a little more puppy chow, and he grows a little bigger, and by golly, he goes right back to that fence. And right back to those full-grown Irish setters. And you know what happens? Same thing. They just whoop the tar out of him. And he goes back limping, aching, crying, back home and eats some more puppy chow. He does it a whole bunch. Pretty soon he's eating dog chow. And back and forth, back and forth, back and forth he goes. And one day the funniest thing happens. One day... The bulldog, who could barely get under the fence now, walked up to those Irish setters, and they looked at him, and he looked at them, and then adult Irish setters put their tail between their legs and ran under the house and hid. And they had just whooped him a few days before. Why? They just got tired of fighting. And that's what the world believes you'll do. In fact, Christian, that's what we've done. We've just got tired of fighting. Ah, let the whatever you want to call them go do whatever they want to do. I ain't going to do it, but I'm tired of fighting it. And that's what happens. This agenda that the devil has always had just stays before us and stays before us and stays before us. And what did the guy say on the message machine to the senator? What did he say? He said, don't let them grind you down. I just called to tell you, don't let them grind you down. Because that's what happens. 
But we're the ones that need to be the, the grinding down. We're the ones with the truth. We're the ones who've been set free. We're the ones with the Spirit of God inside of them. We're the ones. Don't let them grind you down. You know the truth. Don't let them build up some kind of weird thought in your mind that tells you, I think I was wrong all along. Even though I've been married to Dana for 21 years and have four kids, I think I'm a woman. Is that no, not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? And we're, listen, we're, we're not only believing it, we got it like that big old bass. Hook, line, and sinker, baby. Hook, line, and sinker. Many people are believing it. As the praise team comes, I just encourage you to get alone with God in the next few minutes that we have and ask Him to deal with you first. And then ask Him to give you the courage and the strength and the tenacity and the where for all and the drive and the love and the passion to go set people free. We're not talking about picketing signs that say, tell uh, uh, queers this or that or anybody else this or that. We're not talking about doing stupid stuff like that. We're talking about lovingly sharing the freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same freedom that sets you free. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. The same thing you've got, share it. Share it. Don't be ashamed. Don't let them grind you down. Don't let them grind you down. Don't give up. you got the truth in you. Amen? Glory to God. Speak to the Lord. Let Him speak to you. Show Him, or have Him show you what it is that He wants you to do, what it is that He wants you to say, and how He wants you to live. And some of you may need to clean some things up in your life that you've allowed to be right when they're not. Because God won't bless that. God won't bless that. You can never step in. You and I can never step in to our position in God and allow sin to be in our life. No, we're not going to be perfect. And yes, we're going to make mistakes. Grace covers that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us allowing iniquity that we know in our conscience is wrong, but because we think we like it more than whatever God can give us in return. We're convinced that, that what we like is bigger than what God can give us, and we hold on to our sin. Let's pray and let's sing and let's praise. Amen.